Welcome to High Cheese. It's April 14th, 2023. And you have one day left to get your taxes in. Just a reminder, get your taxes in. And if you have to set this podcast aside to do your taxes, please do it. Now, because April 15th falls on a Saturday, and Monday is Emancipation Day, it's a holiday that's celebrated in Washington, D.C., which is the day that, that slaves were freed. So you have until Tuesday, the 18th, to file. So let's go to the Department of Defense leak by a 21-year-old National Guard member, Jack Teixeira from Massachusetts. Let's go right to the highlights of the leak. And I have not seen the leak, but this is coming from reliable sources. So let's go right to the killed in action. And before I, before I get into this, you know, th- this is why everything is great until it's not. It's because our government misleads us, flat out lies to us. Our institutions are corrupt. And I have to tell you, it's not the institutions itself or themselves. It's the actual people that are running these institutions. They are corrupt. And unfortunately, we've got a lot of bad people running all of our institutions today. So let's go right to some of the highlights. So let's go right to the killed in action. So we've already heard these reports from the mainstream media that, oh, Russia is taking devastating casualties. Ukraine is holding its own, not taking a lot of casualties. Well, that doesn't seem to be the truth. So according to these reports, between 20 and 30,000 Russians have been killed. And somewhere between 70 and 90,000 Russian troops have been wounded in action. And this is versus the 100 and 150,000 Ukrainian soldiers that have been killed and between 250 to 350,000 Ukrainian soldiers that have been wounded. These are just soldiers. Now, the last report we had from the Pentagon was that there were 40,000 civilians killed, and that was from December 2022. So it's got to be a lot more now. The second thing that comes out of these uh, leaks is that there was concern about the corruption in the Ukrainian government. They have concerns about Zelensky. They have concerns about the generals. Now, it was several months ago that Zelensky had fired a few of his top military advisors because of corruption. But it wasn't enough. This corruption goes up and down the military. It may even point to Zelensky himself. Because what these corrupt generals and bureaucrats are doing in Ukraine. There's so much money coming into the Ukrainian government that these generals, these politicians are setting up these fake corporations that benefit from this aid. Like, for example, say the U.S. gives $50,000, and I'm just using small numbers here, for food aid. Well, these corrupt politicians, generals, set up these phony corporations where they supply food to the Ukrainian people and then bill at exorbitant prices, thus gaining the profit. And this is totally corrupt. Now, a second point is that there was concern about giving Zelensky mid- to long-range missiles. They don't want to do it 
because they think Zelensky is going to start shooting these missiles into Russia instead of on the battlefield. Another item that comes up, China. China is reportedly approving covert shipments of lethal weapons to Russia. Another item that came up, Ukraine used up all of its air defense ammunition. They're out. How the heck did that happen? And you have to put this all into context. The context is that the mainstream media, which is parroting the party line of the Department of Defense in the White House, is saying, oh, everything's good. Uh, Ukraine is fighting hard. They're resisting. Ukraine can win. We just have to keep on giving them more and more money and more and more arms. So their air defense system is kaput right now. Another item that came up is Bakhmut. Bakhmut is a city where there is heavy fighting going on. It's right now the, the center of the war right now. It's been the longest battle. I think it started sometime in the second half of 2022. And it's still going on as we speak. Now, the party line from Washington is that, oh, Ukraine's holding them her own. The Wagner Group, which is leading the charge from the Russian side against the Ukrainians, they're not getting any ammunition from Russia. Well, in this report, it says that Russia is supplying ammunition to the Wagner Mercenary Group to fight in Bakhmut, but it's coming through the Russian army, which is supplying them. It's not going directly to the Bakhmut Group. It's going to them via the Russian military that are working with them in the operation. And the mainstream media is responding quickly. There was an article in Newsweek that said, oh my God, Ukraine's now surrounded in Bakhmut. There's no way out. So they're already starting to cover themselves. Remember, everything is fine until it's not. And that's what happens when you have institutions that mislead you. Now, the other thing that came out is that, you know, uh, and people are making a big deal about it, about us spying on our allies. Now, we've always spied on our allies. Everybody knows that. They spy on us. We spy on them. We spy on Zelensky. We spy on the Ukraine generals. And we've always known that. That's not a big deal. What is a big deal is that our allies are concerned about how this leak could happen. How a 21-year-old National Guard member could have top secret access to our documents and how our Department of Defense leaks like a sieve. I think I mentioned that Australia came out and was really concerned about an ally who leaks like a sieve. Now, I just want to get back to China supplying Russia with lethal weapons. Remember for months and months, Biden came out, Department of State came out saying, we will not tolerate this. We will not tolerate China providing lethal weapons to Russia. But meanwhile, our Department of Defense was also writing reports that said China reportedly approves covert shipments of lethal aid to Russia. So they had information that was totally contrary to what the White House and what the Department of State were saying. And I find it highly unlikely that the White House didn't know about this. If they did, 
I wouldn't be surprised because we got a bunch of amateurs in the State Department. And they'll come back, oh, there was no evidence of that. But in their mind, the only evidence they have is if they actually see a Chinese weapon on the battlefield. And at that point, it's too late. This, this is why these people we have in the Biden administration are just not serious people. So apparently, the United States also knew about covert operations inside of Russia by Ukraine. And I guess it was several, maybe a year ago, that the daughter of a top aide was murdered by apparently Ukrainians. And there were some other operations that took place. I think there was a weapons depot that was blown up. But the U.S. knew about these operations. And their only stipulation was that, oh, well, don't use any American equipment in the operations. Also, apparently, there's likely not going to be this counteroffensive by Ukraine against Crimea. Now, Crimea was the territory in southeastern Ukraine that was annexed by Russia in 2014, right right after there was a coup of a Russian-friendly Ukrainian president that was orchestrated by the United States. So apparently this whole counteroffensive was going to take place against Crimea. And what happened is that because Ukraine has decided to put a lot of their chits in defending Bakhmut, it's coming at the expense of the counteroffensive in Crimea. Now, here's an interesting report that came out. It said that the Ukrainian chief of staff to Zelensky said there was a plan to overthrow Putin and that there was an March 5th military action that Russia was going to take against Ukraine that was put on hold by Russian generals because they were afraid of the Ukrainian army. And March 5th was a date that Putin was supposed to go in for chemotherapy. So apparently there are self-created rumors that Putin is sick and dying. And apparently these are all pushed by Ukraine and our mainstream media. Now we've also had the operatives from our institutions already coming out and putting spin on these releases. A lot of them say, oh, no big deal. Biden actually said there was no big deal. Oh, this is no big deal. We had a leak, no big deal. But here's a man that has abdicated his leadership to the deep state and our institutions. He couldn't care less. He doesn't want to know anything. Ah, let me just walk a stumble around. Let them do everything. I'm not in charge here. One last thing I want to talk about before we get off topic is the number of special forces that are in the U.S. Embassy in Kiev. And it came out that we've got special forces, technically boots on the ground in Ukraine. They're at the U.S. Embassy. Now, the White House has come out and said, well, they're there for administrative purposes and for security. But here's the kicker. Now, they tell you it's for security, but Marines are generally used for security at embassies, not special forces. So what are they doing there? Now, I'm not going to tell you how many were reported or how many troops and Marines are there, you know, for the sake of security for the people that work at the embassy. But it it is kind of odd. And while we're on the subject of boots on the ground, 
What are 4,000 troops doing on the border of Romania and Ukraine right now, the 101st Airborne? What are they doing right now there? So we're as close to getting boots on the ground as ever. And it remains to be seen what will become of this. Oh boy, there's so much on this topic. And there's just one last item I want to talk about. And it's from an article by Seymour Hirsch. Seymour Hirsch is a longtime journalist. Um, and he put out an article a couple of months ago about uh, it was the United States that blew up Nord Stream 2. And what? But here's the uh, latest article by Hirsch. And Hirsch uh, is claiming that Ukraine is actually buying fuel from Russia. So let me just read a little bit from his article. It says here, What is also unknown is that Zelensky has been buying fuel from Russia, the country with which it and Washington are at war, and the Ukrainian president and many of his entourage have been skimming untold millions from the American dollars earmarked for diesel fuel payments. One estimate by analysts from the Central Intelligence Agency put the embezzled funds at $400 million last year. At least, another expert compared the level of corruption in Kiev as approaching that of the Afghan war. Although there will be no professional audit reports emerging from Ukraine. Zelensky's been buying diesel from the Russians, one knowledgeable American intelligence official told me. And who's paying for that gas and oil? We are! Putin and his oligarchs are making millions. And this is why this whole Ukraine is a mess. And it has to stop before we get sucked into World War III. Okay, inflation numbers came out this week. And again, there was a head fake by the talking heads in the media. And let me just uh, point out that. So the headline for the, the consumer price index year over year uh, went from 6% to 5%. And that's a good thing. But what the talking heads on Wall Street ignored is the fact that core CPI year over year. And now core CPI is your CPI index less uh, gasoline and food, which is much more volatile month to month. But the core CPI went up from 5.5% to 5.6%. And the markets completely ignored it. Our so-called experts in finance ignored it. They just focused on the headline number, which included gas and food. Inflation's going down. Well, not if you look at the core CPI. It's up 5.6% year over year. Last month, it went up 5.5% year over year. So our core CPI is going up, but they failed to tell us that. Now let's take a look at the detail in the CPI number. All right. So eggs were up 36% year over year. Margarine's up 33%. Frozen vegetables up 20%. Now think about it. Wall Street's like, oh, this is the best news in the world. But you're paying 36% more than last year for eggs at this time. 33% more for margarine, 20% more than frozen vegetables. But that's a good thing, according to Wall Street. Motor vehicle repairs, up 17%. White bread, up 16%. Vehicle insurance, up 15%. Electricity, up 10%. But that's a good thing for Wall Street. Chickens up 8.9%. Let's see when, what went down. Major appliances, 
they went down. Car and truck rentals, health care, used cars tumbled 11% year over year. They're still high. Televisions are down 14% and gasoline's down 18%. Now, gas has been up since this uh, report was generated or the data for this report was generated. So you'll likely see the headline figure on CPA for next month go up. So Wall Street really doesn't know what's going on. They don't know. It's all about, you know, they're trying to create a narrative about, oh, you know, the Fed's going to lower rates and uh, that's good for the market, so it goes up. And then you got people saying, oh, it's a recession, then it's going to go down. But they keep on pushing this whole narrative that anything that allows the market to go up, that's what they're going to push. And here's what I think. I think this is, economy is going to have the rug pulled from under us. And like I've always said, everything's great until it's not. And I'm going to get a little nerdy here for a minute or two, so just bear with me. And it says here, and it's an article by Reuters, and it says, U.S. money supply falling at the fastest rate since 1930. It says U.S. money supply is falling at its fastest pace since 1930, a red flag for the economy and financial markets. Money supply has now been shrinking year on year since December, an unprecedented development in modern times that should make investors sit up and take notice. Growth, asset prices, and inflation all could weaken. Now, essentially what the money supply is, is the, the dollars that are in the economy right now, and they're shrinking. And you can't have a growing economy when there's a shrinking number of dollars. Now, with that said, there's also it, it, uh, your shrinking money supply also affects, it's called the velocity of money. And what the velocity of money is, is how quickly those dollars go through your economy. And because of that this is such a great fall, you're going to see the velocity of money slowing up. And this all indicates a slowing economy. And what I find startling is that this is the fastest drop since the 1930s, which is right after the market crash in 1929. Now, the other thing I also wanted to point out is that today at 8.30, we had uh, U.S. sales figures come out. And the estimate was that U.S. retail sales was going to drop 0.5%. Well, actually, it was double that. It was a minus 1%. Now, just a reminder, the consumer makes up about, I would say, conservatively about 70% of the economy. So these figures don't bode well for the economy. And it really is telling us that there's really problems out on the horizon. And you've got these talking heads on Bloomberg, on CNBC saying, well, we're going to have a recession, but it should be a mild recession. Now, just remember, these are the same people that said that, oh, inflation is only transitory. So I have a tendency not to believe them when they say the recession and their recession, this is under their calculations. We had a recession in the first and second quarter of 2022. And it, it got into a gray area because they failed to realize that there was a problem with our GDP. But now they're coming around to it. But they're only saying it's going to be a mild recession. I don't think so. So in a related topic, we've got our federal deficit 
hitting $1 trillion for the first six months of the fiscal year. $1 trillion. And extrapolate that out. That's $2 trillion for the entire fiscal year. And this is why the debt cap is so important for this country. Because as you know, Janet Yellen came out and essentially said, oh, we're going to hit our debt cap limitations sometime in June, July. And Congress has to pass another resolution to increase that debt cap so the federal government continue to spend, spend, and spend. Take on another trillion dollars every six months. This is unsustainable. This is absolutely unsustainable. And this is why it is so important that the Republicans properly negotiate with the Democrats on cutting federal spending if they want to increase the debt cap. Now, Biden's come out in his administration. We're not going to do anything. Well, the Republicans have to sit tight and enforce a semi-shutdown of the federal government. Because again, the consequences are dear if we don't. Because this is unsustainable. Now you got Janet Yellen out there saying, well, you know, the total debt in comparison to our GDP is, you know, it, it's, it's not historically high, so it's okay. Oh, really? That only works when you've got a growing economy. What's going to happen when our economy starts contracting like it did in the first two quarters of 2022? And we've already got Wall Street out there saying we're going to have a recession. It's just a question of how severe it's going to be. So that $32 trillion that we have right now, as a percentage of our economy, is only going to grow higher and higher if it does nothing. And that's, this is why it's bad policy by Yellen. This is why high debt is not good policy. So let me just read this article. It says here, deficit tops $1 trillion in the first six months of fiscal year 2023. The federal deficits topped $1 trillion for the first six months of fiscal year 2023. This was despite the fact that federal tax revenues in the first six months of the fiscal year were $2 trillion, which was the second highest in the nation's history. So the problem is not revenues. The problem is spending. We're taking tons and tons of money in. We have a spending problem, and it can't continue. And again, this debt cap negotiation that's coming up, you have to stick with the Republicans. The mass media, the Democrats, are going to try to throw bombs at the Republicans, saying, nah, they're, they're shutting down the government. We're shutting down these national parks. It's all the Republicans' fault. Now, I've already said the sentiment has changed. I don't think the Republicans have to worry about stuff like that sticking to them. Because I think people finally realize that this kind of debt is unsustainable. So we shall see. Now, I'm a baseball guy. And that's why I named this podcast High Cheese. And I think I've mentioned it before. High Cheese is a... Very good fastball by a pitcher. It's a somewhat intimidating pitch, but that's what high cheese is. Very good fastball. And I just want to read an article. 
And I got a laugh out of this first, and then I'm like, said, this is so sad. And a study was done by Dartmouth University, which says that global warming has caused more home runs to be hit in Major League Baseball. And let me read a little bit of the article. And this is from the Gateway Pundit. And the headline says, More Ivy League Nonsense. Dartmouth studies suggest rise in home runs is due to climate change. And it says here, A new Dartmouth study concludes that climate change in the form of global warming has been increasing the number of home runs hit in Major League Baseball. Could baseball be on the cusp of a climate ball era where higher temperatures due to global warming increasingly determine the outcome of a game? A new Dartmouth study suggests it may be. The study Global Warming, Home Runs, and the Future of America's Pastime, published Friday in the Bulletin of American Meteorology Society, concludes that climate change has produced more than 500 extra home runs since 2010. The study's researchers go on to predict that several hundred additional home runs will be hit per season due to climate change in the years to come. And this is just totally absurd. And this is the problem with these climate change religious activists. They just throw logic to the wind and everything's because of climate change. And if they knew anything about baseball, they would know that more home runs have been hit for a number of reasons. And I'll tell you why. And again, this is somebody that knows baseball. One, the extreme shift. What happens in a baseball diamond when a batter gets up, you'll put a number of players on one side of the field. And then pitchers are taught to only pitch inside to hitters. So they have a higher probability of hitting right into that extreme shift. And then the other thing is that we've been bringing up pitchers into the major leagues that throw very hard, and they are taught just to throw very hard. A lot of times their fastballs don't move, which makes it much easier to hit home runs. And then on the batter side, We've had major leaguers coming up that have been taught in the minor league to now stay, uh, take slight uppercuts and swing for the fences all the time. So the entire dynamics of baseball have changed to hitting home runs. It's not climate change. It's what these players have been taught in the minor leagues. And guess what? Baseball has banned the extreme shift. It's not good for the game. All it does is turn into a home run derby, lots of home runs hit. And it's comical when you look at it. You know, if you, you know, I'm sure a lot of you don't watch baseball, but when you see these shifts happen, you've got these players, all these players go to one side of the field and the, and the other opposite side of the field is open. And you've got these pitchers just pounding, pounding extremely fast fastballs inside. And a lot of times they don't move. And it's very important that pitchers have a movement on their fastball. But they're not taught that today. They're just taught to pump 95-mile-an-hour pitches inside to all batters. And at the same time, you've got batters being taught to have a slight uppercut, which produce more home runs, and just to sit on the fastball. That's why. It's not climate change. And again, this is absurd. You've got the Ivy Leagues now buying into this religion. And all it does is just dumb down the Ivy League degree. So we shall see. Go woke and go broke. You hear that, Budweiser?
Now, it's just been reported that Budweiser has lost $5 billion of value since its Dylan Mulvaney ad campaign for Bud Light. Now, Dylan Mulvaney is a young man, I don't know how old he or she is, that used to be a boy, now she's a girl, and she's been on TikTok a lot. And quite frankly, I think that she is um, dangerous to children because she's making the transgender lifestyle normal to children. But Budweiser, for some unknown reason, decides they're going to do an ad campaign with her, celebrating her one-year anniversary of becoming a girl. And they plaster her picture, or his picture, whatever you want to call him, on the cans of Bud Light. Now, this was the brainchild of some marketing genius that said, oh, you know, we wanted to get beyond the frat boy image of Bud Light. And apparently she's an elitist, comes from rich area, Connecticut, went to top schools. You know the type. And she's woke, and she thinks that the world should be how she sees it. Not how her clients see it. But how she sees it. And there's been a huge backlash. Bars are dropping Bud Light from their menu. Distributors have noticed a dramatic decrease in orders for Bud Light. But this marketing genius, she wanted Bud Light to reflect how she sees the world. Not how the Bud Light drinkers see the world. And again, this is stupidity. I always say these people are not bright. When you are bright, you understand the surrounding world. You understand your clients. You don't try to ram down your own personal feelings into the throats of your clients, which is what the Bud Light drinkers are. But she wanted to get beyond the frat boy image and make it palatable for transvestites to drink Bud Light. Well, guess what? Your clientele doesn't like that. And Bud is paying the price right now. And until two things happen, these corporations have to stop placing narrow-minded not smart people in key positions. And until then, these companies are going to suffer. Anheuser-Busch is going to suffer. So we shall see. And with that said, I want to thank everyone for listening. You have a good week, and I will see you next Saturday. Thanks again.